If you're not willing to deny yourself on a daily basis and follow Christ, you're not going to have victory. Are you kidding me? You're setting yourself up for failure. And you can tell yourself whatever you want. You can twist scripture, oh, the grace of God, the grace of God. You're, you're going to lose that day. You're going to get knocked down. Because if you try to do it on your own, well, I don't have to I have to submit myself to God. You know, I'm just walking in His grace and it's all good. You better be careful. Jesus gives us this command. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to walk with me and have victory, you need to deny yourself daily. Pick up the cross and follow me. Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations facing life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. In this live message from a men's conference in Chapel Hill, Houston, Victor dives into scripture and personal testimony about how to live a life of victory over sexual temptation and addiction. He talks about the importance of taking our thoughts captive, creating wise boundaries, choosing Christ daily, and abiding in His Spirit to help overcome the flesh. Today's episode is packed with truth, wisdom, and instruction for both men and women, single or married, so you'll want to tune in to the whole message. Here is Victor Marks on overcoming temptation. It always seems like whenever I speak, whether at marriage conferences or whatever the subject matter, I'm always going to get tested on it. So <laughs> I got tested on this uh, here recently, and it made me dig in deeper to go, gosh, Lord, it's always there, and the enemy's trying to uh, stumble. The flesh is always wanting to yield or pursue. But the truth of the matter is God is with us. And if his spirit dwells in us, we're made to be conquerors in this area of purity. And you guys, I've studied, I've thought, Lord, what do I see? How do I approach this tenuous subject that has got to be, I would say, number two, probably in the Christian man's life of struggle? Forgiveness tends to be typically, you know, one that many people struggle with. But the area of purity is something that men struggle with. By and large, it doesn't matter where you go, where I speak. Uh, I don't care if I'm in a different country. It's the same thing. I'll use a couple of scriptures this morning. But as I quote scriptures or reference them, it's going to be up to you to dig out in the word and find where they are. Does that make sense? Because it boils down to this. In the area of purity for all of us. Do you want to be pure? That's really all it boils down to. Fellas, it's not some super chess match game where you're just, oh, it's just, do you really want to be pure? I think of the story of Jesus when he came upon the the man who was paralytic, right? For all those years. And uh, by the pool of Bethsaida, you'll remember that. Here's this guy, he's lame and, used to just begging for alms. And when the pool would be stirred by an angel of the Lord, whoever could reach that water first and touch it 
would be healed of their infirmity, regardless of what it was. And Jesus came upon this man, and do you remember what he asked him? We always think about the, the healing, the miracle, him getting strength in his legs and running and the, the victory in that. But what he asked the man really caught me. And he said, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed? And do you know that that man didn't say yes? He started making excuses. Well, Lord, I, you know, I've been here and I can't get to the, and I want to. And if you read it in context, Jesus just said, do you, do you want to be made well? And I think God would ask us the same. No doubt there's varying degrees of struggle in the area of purity for us here today. Some of you may be an occasional stumble. Some of you may be on the other end where you're actually addicted right now. And uh, some of you may be living a life that's so contrary. And you've broken your vows of your marriage and you're in an adulterous relationship. But I'm here to tell you. Regardless of where you are with purity, God will touch you. He will cleanse you. And if you believe who you are in him, you can have victory like you've never had before. It's the truth of the matter. Now, I want to turn to uh, our first scripture in Numbers 21. An odd verse to do and use as a reference point for purity from men. But um, it's a it's a good little story. Numbers 21, verse 6. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Okay, you got to think about it. Israel, they're on this journey. They just had victory over the Canaanites. Then they start complaining, they're belly aching. They're basically sinning and questioning God. They're turning back and desiring the worthless things. So what does the Lord do? His judgment comes upon them in the in the way of fiery serpents. And in verse 7, it says, Therefore, the people then came to Moses. Okay, they've been bit. They come to Moses and they said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. In verse 8, Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made the bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone, he who looked at the bronze serpent lived. This doesn't sound that difficult, does it? Judgment came, a consequence of their sin and the Lord just says, all you got to do is put this bronze serpent up on a pole. Anybody who's bit, they're laying down, they're starting to convulse, they're getting sick, they're, they know they're dying. All they have to do is look. If they look, they'll be safe. But do you realize not everybody looked? Some people stayed in the hardness of that position and said, no, whatever, I'm gonna, I can do that. And they died. Thousands died. And in our life, when we're faced with, or maybe some of you have been bitten by 
the, the trash of this world and gotten caught up, the Lord just says, it's not a big deal for me. All you have to do is look to me and you'll be saved. I will give you the power to overcome. And the Lord does. But our pride often gets us. Men who, I can do this all myself. And you try. And you know what? There's a place and a time where you just have to yield yourself to the Lord. Um, And men, by general, don't like the term purity. It sounds weak. You know, manly, testosterone-ish. But yet, uh, I think it's good for us to understand, just like the term meekness. I tell the kids in jail that, uh, all these hard kids, I tell them, look, let me tell you something. I I want to be known as someone who's meek. I want, And they look at me like, dang, man, not for me. I said, but let me give you a biblical definition. Meekness really is power under control. Power under control. And... Uh, the same with purity. Purity in no way, no way means weakness at all. It's a good thing. I've learned that if a man doesn't have power in his uh, purity in his life, he won't have power. The two are so connected. Because a person who fails and stumbles and stays down in the area of purity, their conscience is not clear. And they start to get condemned. But we know the word says, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. But if you try to use that scripture out of context and you're involved and you're, you're practicing sin, then you're going to be condemned by your own self. You're going to have shame heaped upon you. Does that make sense? And you're not going to want to. You're not going to feel victorious and you're not going to want to walk in it because you're going to realize, really, I'm, I'm being a hypocrite. So what do you have to do? You turn, you stop, you repent, you look to the Lord and say, God, please, I I want to live for you. Now, when we're battling or struggling or fighting this area of purity in our lives, we're going to have two main things. We're going to have our flesh and we'll have the devil. What do you all think is the most dangerous? The flesh. Why? It's with us 24-7. <laughs> it's always there. You wake up and it's good morning, old nature. <laughs> you know, how many have you ever woke up mornings and you just didn't feel saved? Amen. I'm like, holy moly. And uh, so you, we have to do these things that are proactive to keep our flesh down, right? What did Jesus say about following him as his disciple? It was about daily. He says, you daily need to. Yeah, pick up your cross and deny yourself, right? And follow him. If you're not willing to deny yourself on a daily basis and follow Christ, you're not going to have victory. Are you kidding me? You're setting yourself up for failure. And you can tell yourself whatever you want. You can twist scripture. Oh, the grace of God, the grace of God. You're, you're going to lose that day. You're going to get knocked down. Because if you try to do it on your own, oh, I don't have to... I have to submit myself to God. You know, I'm just walking in His grace and it's all good. You better be careful. Jesus gives us this command. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to walk with me and have victory, you need to deny yourself daily. Pick up the cross and follow me. I mean, do you do you have a consistent, does your walk reflect a consistent time with the Lord by getting in His Word or listening to the radio 
Bible teachings, throwing a CD in there, listening to worship music or praise music or Christian music. If you don't, I I don't know about y'all. I'm sorry. I'm not strong enough to live a victorious life apart from these things. I know me. Do you understand? It takes about two weeks for me to be upside down. (laughs) I have to walk very close with the master and I have to practice areas of discipline in my life in order for me to have victory. The Lord tells us, you got to, therefore, stand, right? Put on the armor of God, you know, that whole section. Be able to stand against the wiles and the schemes of the devil. That's the second part that you have to watch. The devil is real. He's got demons. Because when he fell from heaven, a lot of them angels came with him. Y'all remember that? And there's a lot that came with them. The Bible makes reference to a third of them falling. So they went from knowing God, being up there with them, to being unclean spirits. And there are varying degrees of the demonic spirits that carry with them certain, we'll just say vileness. I believe there are demons who love to murder. I believe there are demons of of lust. Now, I'm not getting carried away with some extreme charismatic point. I'm, I'm just telling you what I believe. But I know this. I believe this on my heart. That demons know you. They know each one of you. And we talk a lot about guardian angels, right? As kids, you the guardian angels. Well, a guardian angel would not need to be there if there wasn't a demonic angel, right? A fallen angel trying to be used as the enemy in your life. So the enemy studies and stalks you to find out your weaknesses, to set up schemes, to stumble you, to keep you from walking close with the Lord, to being who you are in him, in that identity that God calls you to be. And if you're not aware of that, then you you get knocked down consistently. But the great news is you don't have to. So first you have to submit yourself to God in the area of temptation or scheme of the enemy. It goes back to that. Do you want to look up at the pole? It's not that hard. In that moment, do you just want to go, Lord, okay. In your mind, that fleshly part of you, it's never more clever than when it comes time for self-deception. Say amen, somebody. Well, we can talk ourselves. We can justify about anything, right? Your wife's not being there for you, rejecting you. (laughs) You know, oh, I know And the enemy comes along and starts whispering, that demon that knows you, oh yeah. All of a sudden, you're going down a rabbit trail. It'll take you further than you want to go. And that is the way with sin. I'm sure that that fellow who molested me and put me in that commercial cooler when I was five, I don't think he started out with kids. Do you understand? I'm sure he had a, a graduating scale of perversion. That was maybe with Playboy magazines or the Sears and Roebuck, whatever, you know. And it grew and it grew. And then maybe he was with some gals and that didn't work for him. And he just kept going and sliding down to finally he was in a place of debauchery to where his only satisfaction in his mind could come from a child. Gentlemen, you don't even flirt with these areas of purity. Consequences are grave and we live in a culture in a society 
that has so minimized and really exploited the whole sexuality. It's all perverted. It's like, wow. And uh, I had some dirty magazines. I was in the Marine Corps. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the Lord said, you got to throw those away. I was like, well, wow, Lord, you sure? Okay. Uh, so the Lord started cleansing my mind and my way and changing me. And as I kept hearing Bible studies, I started growing. And, and I started realizing, wow, I was really off. Man, I had some ways I thought were normal and, the, the, you know, good and no, it's contrary to what the Bible said. And, and when I met my wife, and she's a beautiful, she's a beautiful woman. And everything that I could desire, time a million, that is this woman. And by the grace of God and the simple obedience of my wife and I, because we were both in the world before, we were, we didn't know the Lord. But when we come together, we said, we're going to do this. And young men, yes, we had all the physical attraction, right? Of one another, which is is normal. It'd be trouble if it wasn't normal. But I honored God, and so did she. And we waited till we were married. Do you understand? And I guarantee you, on our honeymoon, I was so nervous that I had forgot our marriage certificate that day. And we're in our honeymoon suite, and it's you know it's getting nighttime, and you know inevitably you're going to get intimate, right? And and I I said. I left the marriage certificate. She goes, okay, what does that mean? I go, I don't have it. We, we need the marriage certificate. She goes, really? I said, yay. Before we consummate the marriage, you need the certificate in case something, so you can, in case anybody asks. <laughs> Honest to goodness. I was so tripped out about it. I called my pastor. I said, uh, Brian. He said, hi, Vic. What are you doing? I said, Brian, I got a problem. He's like, what? I said, I left the marriage certificate at the church. He goes, okay. I said, I, but I think I need it here tonight. Said, I don't know. Don't we need proof? He goes, no, Victor, you're, you're okay. Okay. By the authority invested, you go ahead, brother. It's all right. But I was like, okay. All right. Okay. Thanks. You know, (laughs) that's how nervous I was. But the point is that, you know, we had such a sense of being virgins again. Because the Lord had cleansed us. Do you understand? And we have always sought to honor God in that area. And you know what? Believe me. As I talk to men's groups and different things. And we, we talk about purity. Let me tell you. It's, it's not so much the, the stuff this or that or whatever. It's if you're a married man. Purity is in your bedroom. Do you understand? The Bible says the bed is undefiled. That's not a license to do the craziest, stupidest sexual things you think just for you to get pleasure. That's not what that means. I know a lot of Christians, oh, the bed's undefiled. No, the bed is to be undefiled. Don't defile it with lustful wickedness. Do you understand? As a young Christian man, I had a doctor who's working on an arm of mine, and I'll never forget this guy. He's working on and 
and I messed it up with something. And he goes, uh, he looks up at me and he says, Victor, there's no room for lust in a marriage. And I went, what? He said, there's no room for lust in a marriage. I I knew this guy was a believer, but we weren't talking about anything. And I was a young married man. I just went, well, I, I thought you were supposed to lust your wife. He goes, no, you're supposed to love your wife, minister to her. She's not to be an object just for your pleasure. You're supposed to love, minister, honor God. And I went, well, okay, wow, all right. And you know what? That always stuck with me. And it's the same thing for your very mind. For your very mind. And that's where the battle is. You should be able to stop, pray, and do not pursue pleasure for yourself if you have images or thoughts coming into your mind. Because you're not doing anything but using your wife instead of ministering to her. And that's dishonoring to God. That's the deepest core of it right there, gentlemen. Have you ever prayed with your wife? Before you even, have you ever thanked God afterwards, holding your wife and saying, Lord, thank you. What a gift. You should be able to if that bedroom's undefiled. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.